to all you unconventional conventionists. Welcome back to Rocky Talkie, a Rocky Horror Podcast where we talk about anything and everything Rocky Horror. My name is John. I'm Jacob. And I'm Aaron. We are recording this on a Saturday afternoon. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I'm sorry I was late, John. <laughs> it's Listen, man, I had a great night last night and just... You know how it is. You know you Oh wait, no, you don't know how it is. I don't know. You how ever it is. even had a hangover, man? Nope. Uh I was once high for twenty-four hours. <laughs> well, twenty-four hours. Yeah, it was bad. It was real bad. Oh, I'm sorry. That that sounds very fun. <laughs> yeah, when you when you have a tolerance to weed and you don't eat an entire cookie after never smoking once in your life, yeah, it probably does sound fun. Oh man, do you know how many milligrams the cookie was? Uh, all I know is that it was a $35 cookie and I ate all of it. Oh my god! What? Wow. Yeah. That sounds incredible, because, like, I have a $40 bar of chocolate right now, and if I ate that whole thing, I would fucking die. I'm eating that in, like, 24 different doses. Holy crap, man. Yeah, I I was told that I was a trooper. (laughs) Man. Uh, What a day. Wow. Anyway, so Aaron, you were talking about how great your night was last night. What did you do? Well, actually, I didn't even go out and get drunk, so I'm not even hungover, but uh, that was just a little one for the listeners there. No, last night was super cool. We went out and got to see Patton Oswalt last night. Yeah. I love that for you. He was he was uh, doing a set at the King's Theater out in Brooklyn, so we went out there. That was fucking great. Absolutely hilarious. His two openers were also super cool. Did a lot of, like, really, really progressive content. Um, they made some jokes that, like, clearly were brand new material and talked about the pandemic a lot and all kinds. It was just so fucking funny, though. Absolutely hilarious. It was at the start of Patton Oswalt's new tour, so, like, getting to see the, uh, the first run of some of this stuff. Uh, that he's working on for a new Netflix special. So that's going to be super cool. Everybody needs to check that out when uh, when that finally drops. Uh, but after that, we came back into the city and we stopped by over uh, to see Adam at karaoke night. Uh, and that, w- yeah, okay. that was super fun. Uh, yet another night where I got to listen to the entire soundtrack of Rent. <laughs> <laughs> Every time, every time, it's guaranteed. It's just who's going to sing which song. That's always the difference there. So so we were there for a little bit, but we actually called it an early night, came back home, and then we were up writing uh, this script until 7 o'clock in the morning. And that is why I am absolutely exhausted right now. I love that. It was a great week. I had a super fun start to my weekend, and uh, I'm happy to be here with you guys. What, what were you up to this weekend, John? So nothing really fun has happened yet, but tomorrow, actually, I'm very excited because uh, a friend of mine that I met actually during streaming, she lives up in Connecticut. She's driving down for the day and hanging out, so I'm super excited about that. We're trying to get tickets to a show because Broadway is back in, you know, some capacity Mm -hmm. so we're trying to get tickets we're putting in for some lotteries i have some ideas in mind for possible rushing tomorrow morning we're not necessarily sure what we're doing but all we know is that we're going to be enjoying each other's company which is nice and actually rowan is here as well they're not in my apartment with me right now they're seeing a show right now with their partner so rowan is here for the weekend which will be fun and then my friend vic from streaming she'll be coming down for the day tomorrow. So 
We got we got a pretty busy weekend. That sounds great. That sounds fucking fantastic. I Man, I didn't know Rome was in town. Yeah, it, it was a really last minute thing. They won lottery tickets to go see American Utopia, which is like one of their favorite shows on Broadway right now. So they ended up coming down, and I told them that they could crash for the evening if they wanted to. Well, fuck yeah, send them our way if they're here uh, for a little too long and don't know what to do with themselves. So that's a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> Hell yeah! What man. about you, Jacob? What was going on? Not much went on with me this week. Uh, I finished this book I've been reading called You Deserve Nothing. It's about existentialism. It was a great time. You should check it out. Uh, I have some mushrooms that I've been trying to figure out when I can do them, and I think I'm going to do them tomorrow, which is, woohoo, great. That's about it. Ooh, good times, man. Good times. Think about here living the life. And with that, let's get on with our first segment in Global News. All right, so here's what's going to happen. We're going to start off global news this week on, like, kind of a shitty note. But stick with us, because we are immediately going to bring it right back up. Yeah, this is going to feel like a bit of a roller coaster, but we're going to power through it. Okay, you ready? Ugh, yeah. All right, first up in global news, it was announced this week that former Rocky Horror stage show Frankenfurter, an absolute piece of human garbage, Craig McLaughlin, will likely be allowed to bring a defamation case to court against several of the media outlets who covered his recent sexual assault trial. In 2020, Craig was put on trial for a whole host of sexual assault allegations. They were brought forth by four of his female co-stars who toured with him on the Rocky Horror Show way back in 2014. These allegations range from inappropriate comments and touching backstage to openly fondling his co-stars while on stage without prior consent. However... In December of 2020, the Crown was forced to find Craig not guilty for a number of reasons. One of the major ones being that the statute of limitations for reporting the incidents of assault had passed, and there was basically insufficient evidence for the court to legally be able to find him guilty. The judge did write a really scathing decision, basically telling him that she would have ruled against him were she legally allowed. As you can imagine, this trial was heavily publicized by the media, including an incident where Craig got up in the middle of the courtroom and sang part of Sweet Transvestite in a weird-ass attempt to prove that he couldn't possibly have had time to assault a woman in between the end of one scene and the beginning of the next. Because, as we all know, it is physically impossible for an actor to slightly change the timing when they're singing a show tune. Anyway, the charges were dropped and it was a bummer for everybody. Even more of a bummer, after his trial ended, Craig decided to sue both the Sydney Morning Herald and ABC after both news outlets published an investigation which alleged that he had harassed the female performers during the 2014 Rocky Horror Show production. Wait, so these ladies brought charges against Craig, the newspapers reported the story, and now he's trying to sue them for reporting the news yep the paper stated that the harassment had taken place and he was later not found guilty of harassment so technically he's allowed to sue them for defamation he's claiming that the news outlets defamed him by suggesting that he's guilty of assault indecent assault and indecent exposure and that he bullied and harassed his female cast members instead of simply saying that those were the charges against him in a way that didn't imply the charges might be true 
Craig's attorney alleges that his client has suffered from severe mental anxiety and distress as a result of the allegations. He rarely leaves home and that his acting career has been effectively destroyed. Good, good, and good. The media outlets have put forth their defense as truth and contextual truth, which basically means we didn't defame you. Defamation only happens when we tell lies. And what we reported was accurate, which might very well hold up in court. Just because someone is found legally not guilty doesn't mean they were found to be innocent. There are all sorts of reasons a defendant can be found not guilty for something they actually did. Just ask OJ Simpson. <laughs> you know what, Jacob? I will. I'm going to call him up right now. Bring, 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 bring Mr. OJ. Hello. <laughs> so it was decided this past week that it's unlikely that this case will see trial before April of next year. And even then, the media's attorneys don't seem super concerned about the suit. All we can do now is hope that the Australian courts are able to see more justice done this time around than last time Craig was there. We will keep you posted as this story unfurls. We here at Rocky Talkie hope the Australian legal team who works for ABC and the Sydney Morning Herald, as well as all the people who have ever had to share a stage with Craig, are out there having a great day. We also hope that Craig McLaughlin gets his weenie stuck in something sharp. Amen. And with that, we promised something a little more uplifting next, didn't we? Well, this week, we get our second Richard O'Brien interview in two weeks, and this one is way different from anything we've ever seen from our favorite riff before. Recently, the brilliant Kate McKenzie, a psychosexual therapist and couples counselor who hosts a podcast called Love, Joy, and Pleasure with Kate McKenzie, sat down with Richard to discuss Richard. They talked about a huge range of topics, including Richard's personal life, how his sexual and gender identities have evolved throughout his life, and even a little Rocky Horror. Richard says a lot in this interview, specifically on the topic of his gender identity, as well as the related mental conflicts he's struggled with. He covers a lot of bases in a short time frame and really opens up about himself with Kate. Yeah, which is great because after so many years of keeping that part of himself private, as is his right, of course, it made us, his fans, feel like we were having like a personal conversation with him, who regardless of how we might feel about his sometimes really outdated views, is still a titan of gay culture. It was really very moving to hear him bear his heart out so freely to us. That said, Richard remained pretty adamant about not assigning labels to himself. He makes it clear throughout the conversation that he's not here to define himself or dictate who and what he is or isn't. Though he does speak very openly about his feelings on the topic of his own sexuality and gender identities. He's not trying to label specifics about himself, which again, totally his right. Some people just don't want to do that. We want to respect that. So we're not going to tell you, oh, Richard finally came out as XYZ, because that's not what this interview is about. From what we were able to gather, that isn't how Richard wanted his words to resonate with listeners. So we're just going to talk about what was discussed, as straightforward as we can. With that, let's get into it. So, surprisingly, over the interview, Rocky Horror is only mentioned twice. Once for Richard to say that he considers it one of his small successes in life alongside being allowed to be himself and the Crystal Maze. And another time to say, if I hadn't been this way, I would never have written Rocky Horror. But for the most part, this interview was about Richard, the person, not the persona. A big theme of the conversation is peace, 
and gratefulness. After talking about his small successes, he says, in a genuine way, he feels he is the luckiest person in the entire world, which is admirable. In a perfect world, we'd all feel that way about our lives and accomplishments. He also gets into how he was made into the person he is today and the strife that led up to it. There is one level that he is pretty explicit on, saying being transgender is a card one is dealt without an instruction manual for how to deal with it, because society doesn't allow for it. He goes on to talk about how the typical societal restrictions to femininity in boys is negative and how that pushed him to shut down and live inside his head for most of his life, even from as young as six years old. Richard goes on to talk about how he felt at odds with his orientation and gender identity all throughout his childhood into adulthood. He talked a bit about how it made it difficult for him to understand who he was, which in turn made it difficult for him to maintain healthy relationships as an adult, something he tied into his tumultuous marital history. However, Richard seems to have found a way to make peace with himself, without feeling any resentment about his years of inner struggle. He did make a major point of stating that if he, quote, hadn't been this way, he never would have written Rocky Horror. Then saying, so I gotta be grateful for some of the things it's given me. After discussing the tribulations of coming to terms with his sexuality, Richard also spoke openly about his schizophrenia and depression including the severe mental health episode he suffered about eight years ago when he suffered from paranoid delusions after he, quote, stepped off the edge of the abyss. Richard has clearly come a long way and put in an extraordinary amount of mental and emotional work on himself, but was able to end out the interview by stating that he's finally found a place where the man and woman inside him can work in harmony. In the current phase of his life, he finds that he's, quote, no longer driven by trying to live up to other people's ideas of what I'm supposed to be, because it's what I am by default. I am me. I'll do what I want to. Then, to cap off the conversation, Richard spoke about being nice, literally, and how he's come to a place in his life where he believes kindness is greater than love, commenting that he used to think love was the divine factor, but love comes with too many agendas. It's too hard to explain, but to be kind is obvious and easy. This is what's good, to be kind to each other, to go into a shop and smile at the person behind the counter. This was such a deep, intense conversation, and I really loved that he was able to end it on such a incredibly wonderfully positive note. Yeah. Wow, this feels like a really big step for him. I feel like he spent such a long time publicly making comments on sexual and gender identity that were pretty divisive. It's great that he's gotten to a place where he's comfortable just being who he is and allowing others to do the same. Rock on, buddy. If you're interested in listening to the interview in full or checking out any of Kate's other work, you can find her, all of her interviews, as well as resources for therapy and couples counseling at katemckenzie.com. On to our next segment, we have another theater reopening, and you know what that means. Another Rocky Horror Halloween event, this time in Hawaii. But before we get to America's favorite island state, Let's jump over the pond and talk about a late-breaking news story that just dropped over in the UK. The Time Warp UK fan club just put out the big news that there is going to be a live screening of the Rocky Horror stage show in cinemas over this Halloween season. On Thursday, the 28th of October, starting at 7.45pm, 
This year's Rocky Horror Show will be simulbroadcast to over 500 cinemas in the UK and all across Europe. If you're looking for tickets to go see this exclusive one-time showing, they'll be available at RockyHorrorInCinemas.com. And this is going to be a broadcast of the live theatrical show that's going on that day. So if you want to see the show live in person yourself, go check out the UK tour page over on the timewarp.org.uk site to try and get bookings for the actual show. If not, these cinema events are super cool. They did one of these back in 2015 called the Rocky Horror Show Live where they did the exact same thing. They simulcast it to cinemas all across the UK and Europe, and it was super cool. They did it as a tie-in with Amnesty International, and it was a really good event. They even got Richard O'Brien to do the narrator. You might have seen this one. It's up on YouTube. You can go watch the full thing. After it was broadcast in cinemas, they later rebroadcast it on TV for BBC America in the US and on Sky Arts in the United Kingdom and SBS in Australia and Canal Plus Extra in Spain and I mean all over the place. So hopefully they'll do the same thing this time around that they did in 2015. Those of us who aren't able to fly over to the UK to see a movie are probably going to get a chance to see it. And if it doesn't pop up on one of these, I have a feeling it might sneak its way online. So don't feel too left out if you're over here in the uh, good old US of A. We'll probably get a chance to see it. I'm super pumped to see them doing this again. Last time, they grossed over 600,000 pounds at the UK box office just from this one single showing. The weekend that it aired, it beat Legend and Maze Runner, The Scorch Trials, out at the box office. It was bigger than the real movies that came out that week. If you're in the UK or in Europe, go check it out. See where your local listings are. I just wish that we were able to, you know, go check it out in theaters here in the US. But keep your eyes out for that, and we will hopefully be able to see it sometime after the event. Super cool, guys. Go check it out. Now, back to our regularly scheduled piece with some news from Hawaii. Just this week, Hawaii's Palace Theater has announced that they'll be reopening their doors to max capacity for the first time since 2018. And for a little slice of Hawaii, life will go back to normal. Hawaii has been a cultural staple since it was erected in 1925 by the nephew of one of the last royal governors of the island of Hawaii, Adam C. Baker. The theater was constructed of all redwood trees and features neoclassical design features. It's massive has a balcony, and honestly, it looks more fitted for Broadway than a movie theater. The palace used to be a live performance space without movie showings, and it had an organ. But those aspects changed in 1930 and 1940, respectively. In 1984, they closed before the theater reopened in 1999 with a grand reopening international film festival. Since 2018, the palace has been running at partial capacity, as they've been replacing sprinkler heads, swapping valves, and restoring piping to pass the inspection from the fire department to receive a permit for their new air conditioning unit. The palace has been fundraising since 2015 for an air conditioning unit for the theater, and over the past six years have literally raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for the theater, in addition to receiving a $150,000 grant from the state. Wait, hang on. Are we really going to report on a theater getting an air conditioner. This is what passes for news in the year of our Lord 2021? Yeah, what the hell? I got a new toaster a couple weeks ago. Can we report about that too? 
Shit, forget about your personal life, man. I heard a rumor that the Dave and Busters in Times Square got a new nacho cheese dispenser. We gotta blast that shit around like an RKO Fort Con update news bulletin. Aw, oh, come on, guys. This is probably huge news for the palace, as well as the Hawaiians who frequent the theater and love Rocky Horror. Who are we to decide what's important? It's cool as hell that this cast gets to have a revamped space back. Well, one of the ways they'll be celebrating the renovation will be with, you guessed it, Rocky Horror. On the night of October 31st, the Palace will be having their 11th annual Rocky Horror Picture Show movie night, complete with a costume contest. Man, I bet it'd be pretty neat to watch the Rocky show in a massive amphitheater. Yeah, I think the biggest place I've ever seen Rocky at was probably the last RKO Con. Right. That uh, John, you were there. That that was a absolutely ginormous theater to perform in. It was. I did that, didn't I? <laughs> it's it's entirely different, right? When there's like a thousand people or more crammed into a space versus like your local theater where you got 250 people. I don't know. I just love the dynamic that comes with there being a balcony and a lower section and like you might be down below and just getting pelted with rice and you're just like, that's definitely coming from like the ceiling. You know, it's a whole different kind of weird, you know, experience. But congratulations to the Palace Theater for being renovated and cooler than ever with their brand new sprinklers and air conditioner. Yeah, we hope they have an absolutely awesome time at their Rocky event. And if you're in the Aloha State, be sure to check it out. And with that, let's move on to our next segment. Community News. First up in Community News, Baltimore-based chocolate-covered Rocky Har has got to be one of the less involved casts in the community that we consistently see brilliant work from on social media. Absolutely. I feel like I can go a whole year sometimes without being aware of their presence on social media, and I certainly don't feel like they make a habit of coming in a big group to cons. But those one or two videos I catch every year on Facebook are insanely strong performances every single time. Every single actor in every single one of their videos is impeccably dressed, well-rehearsed, and totally on point. Better than, like, any other regularly performing Rocky Horror cast. Yeah, I feel like they would be incredible to watch in person sometime. Everything they do is just so different from what the broader Rocky community is doing. Like, Meg and I have talked about taking a trip down to Baltimore just to catch one of their shows, and for no other reason. They're that good. Well, if you're in the Baltimore area, have we got a treat for you. This year, CCRH will be producing an extra special Halloween production. A scary, sexy, red carpet fashion tribute to Rocky Horror. This event will be hosted by the cast at the Baltimore Soundstage. Guests will be guided by MC Racine Pendarvis through an evening of thrilling, chilling, and fulfilling fashion, film, and performance art, featuring DJ Green Cab. Attendees will be treated to an exclusive screening of a short fashion film premiere produced and directed by Earl O. Melvin, CCRH's director and producer. The piece is a tribute to the sexy, kooky, and androgynous fashion themes we find in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. According to Earl, we did a cover to the cover and covered it in fashion. I mean, this is what I'm talking about. Who, who has these ideas? They're so fucking cool. 
The film will be followed by a latex fashion presentation with designs by Allure Bound and performances by Pussy Noir, House of Sonique, Numivon, Dahlia Noir Burlesque, and poet Ray Money. And not to get our listeners all competitive, but in true Rocky fashion, there will also be a best dress contest at this fashion show. So, like, no pressure or anything, but if you're gonna go, you should have started planning your outfit over the summer. I'm, I'm just saying. And there are already sneak peek videos up on Earl's website, which is earlorin.com, and they are sickening. If you're into gorgeous and experimental fashion, you'll die. You'll just die. And if you're lucky enough to be in the Baltimore area, the show will take place on Tuesday, October 26th with a red carpet cocktail event starting at 6 p.m. and the main show starting at 7. We've got a link to the event page for you in our show notes. We ask that anyone who attends, please write in and tell us all about it, preferably with tons of pictures if you're allowed so we can see all of this for ourselves. Tickets range from 25 to 50 bucks, which is already inexpensive as hell for something this cool, but got it on good authority that if you use promo code CCRH at checkout, you'll get an extra $5 off your ticket price. And again, for anyone who is interested in buying tickets or even just checking out this cast's incredible work, check out EarlOrin.com, which we've got linked for you in our show notes. Next up, we've got a fun community project to highlight. This one comes from Rocky Horror stage show performer Stuart Matthew Price, who played Riff Raff in the 2008, 2014, and 2017 European tours. Stuart is a London-based performer who has appeared in an impressive number of stage musicals, including productions of John, your favorite, Shrek the Musical, Merrily We Roll Along, and Jesus Christ Superstar. Stewart also recorded his first album, All Things in Time, in 2010, featuring all new songs written and recorded by contemporary musical theater writers. And he debuted his two-act cabaret series, A Spoonful of Sherman, in 2014. One of the most interesting things about Stewart is that he's only half of an absolute powerhouse couple. His partner, Heather Lundstedt, is a phenomenally talented actor and vocalist who has appeared on stage in Guys and Dolls, Carousel, and routinely performs Andre Bocelli concerts, where she knocks out classic operatic pieces like The Prayer and Porti Volare, with the ease of a kindergartner singing Happy Birthday. Now, as I'm sure none of you can imagine or empathize with, Stuart and Heather were bored as fuck during lockdown. Can't relate. So they did what any artsy theater nerd couple would do. They filmed themselves performing and posted it on the internet. Still can't relate. Nope, not at all. Probably nobody listening to this can. Why are we even talking about this? It's so unrelatable. We're going to alienate our listeners. Their virtual performances started about a year ago when Stuart and Heather started their Bored Couple Stuck in Lockdown mini concert series. They and their bored artist friends recorded and performed duet numbers featuring Stuart and Heather singing lead and backing vocals with their musician friends in the virtual band. Together, they recorded and produced a slew of duets, including the Closer We Get from the musical Before After, and song mashups like Let It Go mixed with Defying Gravity, and entire ensemble Broadway numbers like One More Day from Les Mis, always just the two of them singing every single one of the parts. 
They took a break for a little while during lockdown, about uh, four weeks after posting an adorable video which spoofed the West Side Story number, Something's Coming. Their version was called Baby's Coming. Oh, that is disgustingly adorable. I am so here for that. However, once they'd settled into a routine with their new little roommate, Heather and Stuart picked their videos right back up and are still making excellent and clever content for all of us theater nerds. Most recently, the couple threw back to Stuart's Rocky Horror roots by producing a medley of the entire stage show, a five-minute musical roller coaster featuring bits from almost every number in the show. The video is tons of fun to watch and spectacularly well done. Not only do they manage to somehow sound incredible while singing every part in the damn show, it is also seamlessly produced. Plus, it features their baby as Krim. He's even got a little tiny book. Kids in teensy Rocky costumes are the absolute cutest. If any of this, uber-talented performers, show tune medleys, tidy babies in tidy costumes, if any of it sounds like it might at all be appealing to you... And again, we can't imagine any of our listeners would like any of this at all. Then we highly encourage you to check out Stuart and Heather's videos that we've got linked for you down in our show notes. Honestly, we really, really know you're going to love them. And with that, it's time to jerk it with Jacob. I hate you. All right, guys, I am told by our producer, Meg, that I am not allowed to jerk it this week. Apparently, Nikki left us a couple of questions for this week's Knack Snack. So, let me just pull open the dock here and see. Well, fuck. What is it, Jacob? So, this, um, this is just a picture of a penis. Is it a nice penis? I mean, it's not the worst penis. Ah, there's another page. Okay, there's another page. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Wait, that, that is, that's just another penis. Is, is it the same penis? I can't tell. Probably? Oh, no, I don't think so. You can tell by, oh, not important. Oh, here, here, page three. Just going to scroll down and it's another penis. This is just a Google Doc full of, of peni. Penis, penises, penis, it's with the penis, and there's an apostrophe after the S. Whatever the plural of penis is, it's here. Uh, dongs. Wangs. Uh, meat salami. S. Whoopee sticks. High pressure vein canes. Schlongs. Pork swords. DNA rifles. I call mine John. I call mine Aaron. Sames. Oh my god, that's so cute, you guys. God damn it. Why is this the week I'm not allowed to jerk it? Oh, okay. Okay, there's one more page. Here we go. This is not a picture of a penis. So from Nikki. Hey guys, don't be massive dicks like these three fellas. I'm not writing a question this week. Figure it out. You're smart. Use some common sense. Well, that was not fucking helpful at all, Nikki. Thank you for literally nothing. I don't know. Forward me that doc. It might not be helpful while I'm talking to you, Wangs, but it'll certainly be helpful later, if you know what I mean. Focus, John. Well, now 
what are we supposed to do? Use some common sense. Well, what the fuck is that even supposed to mean? She knows us. We are the last three people you should ever tell to use some common sense. Now, last time someone told me to use some common sense, I ended up pantsless in the middle of a Kmart. I, I've got an idea, guys. I think this might be salvageable. So Nikki wants us to use some common sense. So I don't know. Let, let's just talk about that. Common sense, Rocky horror. Like, don't ask John for hairstyling tips. Yeah, or don't ask Jacob how to shut the fuck up. Your words can't hurt me, old man. No, guys, like, you know, those simple, unspoken things that audience members and cast members and organizers should, like, just all know. But maybe we're all a bit rusty after the last God knows how long of, you know, not doing Rocky Horror. Like, don't wear a striped shirt to your first show. God damn it. Do you even listen to the podcast, Jacob? We've had this conversation so many times. I literally write some of it. Why would I listen to something I already wrote? That doesn't make sense. That's fair. But if any of our listeners are curious about that little urban legend, go check out one of our very first episodes. Or don't. We weren't nearly as sexy as we are now. I mean, I like that one, but it, it was a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Nerd. I got a good one to kick us off. This one is for everyone out there that may end up in an audience for Rocky this Halloween. Maybe you're a cast member visiting a nearby show. Maybe you aren't part of a cast and you just love Rocky. Or maybe you're like Aaron and you would literally go see a Tijuana donkey show if the sexy stud was wearing a Frank corset. Hey, I take offense to that. I mean, it would have to be a really big corset and... I don't know how it would even stay on. There would be a lot of rhinestones. Maybe maybe out of a morbid curiosity. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. So, common sense tip numero uno. That's Spanish for one. Thank you, Jacob. Don't thank me. Thank Duolingo. No, I won't. Common sense tip number one. Every Rocky show is different. Leave your expectations at the door. Maybe you know all the call-out lines from your home show. That's... Great. Shout him out. But don't be the guy who's shouting down all the locals. That's just not fun. Yeah, the first time I went to see Nikki's cast in New Jersey, I was amazed how just one state over, everything was a little different. Not just the call-outs. There were certainly regional differences, but the entire show. The, their prop bags are different than ours in New York. Their blocking is customized to their own space. Their hosting routine is totally different. Don't be the dick that is trying to shoehorn what you think Rocky is or your experiences into a show you are unfamiliar with. And especially don't be that guy who screams out random shit instead of audience participation lines. You always get a few of those, especially around Halloween, who clearly don't quite understand what's happening. Or, or maybe they just aren't familiar with some of the local call and response style lines. You know, the ones where like one person says something and then another person will like respond and fill in the second half. So this dick just starts screaming out random shit. You've all heard it. It's the guy who like in the middle of Tatcha is like, yeah, she's a bitch. Fuck her in the ass. Those guys are the <laughs> fucking worst. Like right energy. Totally wrong vibe. But it's not even just random drunk guys that do it. 
I've totally heard full-fledged cast members do that kind of shit just to try to be the center of attention. Or like trying to stream of consciousness new AP lines. Save that shit for your living room. Nobody wants to hear your dry run callback rehearsal. And tangential to that, if you're on a cast and you're visiting one of your neighbors, stop fucking comparing every other cast to your own. And if you're going to, save that shit for the car ride home. It's one thing to have a conversation with your friends or other cast members about differences between your show and theirs. That's totally cool. It's another thing entirely to shit on the effort that a cast puts in. None of that, oh, their Denton sign is three inches too small. It's not the only thing that's three inches too small. Or, that Eddie forgot their tattoo. Or, it's totally wrong to walk up the right aisle instead of the left. Listen, we all do it, we can't help it. We spend a lot of time looking at this kind of dumb, little, detailed shit. But that doesn't mean you need to loudly talk about it to your friends in front of the cast you've come to visit, and especially not in front of their audience members. The audience certainly doesn't notice any of that stuff. And drawing attention to it in front of an audience for a show that you're not part of? That's just plain rude. Nobody likes to be standing in line next to the guy who's constantly shitting on the show they're about to see. Or who is talking the entire time about how we block things over and who gives a fuckistan. Like, the audience is there to see this show and not hear about how your corset is so much better than the one on stage. Leave your comparisons and judgments for a private space where you know you aren't going to end up putting your foot in your mouth or making anyone feel bad. It's just common sense. And this extends to cast members talking about the audience, too. I have found myself scolding almost every single new person who joins cast at least once about this one. You know how it goes. You've got a lineup of fans before the show. A bunch of them are dressed in, like, their girlfriend's fishnets and corset. And there's, like, a smattering of Rocky costumes. And you overhear a fellow cast member saying something snide about how inaccurate or cheap or whatever else one of the audience members' costumes is. Not fucking cool. What did your mother always tell you? If you don't have something nice to say, shut the fuck up or save it for the bar after the show. It's not cool to disparage someone you don't know. Who cares how accurate someone else's costume is or how terrible they look in those pants or whatever else. You don't need to create a negative environment. doesn't matter if they can hear you or not. Just don't shit on other people's effort. It's not what Rocky it's about. It's not a fucking competition. Exactly. Maybe just coming out in costume was a huge step for someone. Or maybe they've been super excited to dress up as magenta since they were like 12 years old and they finally got to do it. The last thing that you want to do is discourage that person or, God forbid, make them the butt of a joke. And even if you don't walk up to them and tell them that their costume sucks right to their face, just throwing that vibe out there to your other cast members, it's going to change the way that they interact with that person or their entire mood around the show. Or maybe, even worse, another audience member hears you, and then they think that the cast is all just a bunch of pretentious dicks who are crapping on the entire audience, even if you're just, like, commenting on that one guy's shitty wig. That's not cool. And as a community, we are better than that. Rocky being inclusive includes the audience. I think we all know a few cast members who could do with that reminder. 
even if it is just common sense. But one thing you should always be looking out for is ensuring everyone feels comfortable and safe. And if you see something wrong, for the love of all that is holy, say something. You may not be comfortable handling a situation yourself, but don't just go gossip about it. Get another cast member, a director, or a member of the theater staff if you ever see a situation that you think is a problem. What's the worst that happens? Someone says, oh, no, that's actually okay. Great! Problem solved and you don't have to worry about it. It doesn't matter what kind of problem it is. Maybe some drunk guy is getting creepy. Maybe there's a girl whose outfit doesn't meet your theater's dress code. Maybe you're just getting a vibe from a group or person that seems off. If you see something wrong, don't just ignore it. And this doesn't apply to just cast members keeping an eye on the audience. As an audience member, if you see something, be it from another audience member or a member of the cast, it is always okay to grab someone and flag a problem. In fact, coming from leadership, we love it when you do this because it means that we won't be blindsided by it later. Rocky is, first and foremost, an inclusive and safe space, and a lot of that has to do with looking out for each other. We aren't going to tell you to not do drugs. We ain't your mama. But we also won't let someone ruin a show by letting them stay if they are so fucked up that they're going to pass out with their pants around their ankles. This shit is just common sense. These are all great points, but let's do some like deeper common sense cuts. Stuff that you may not really think a lot about. Oh, here's a good one. I know a lot of casts out there have some kind of cast rules or cast handbook or cast guidelines or whatever. And I know a lot of it may seem heavy-handed or overbearing or just fucking weird. And I, I mean, some of it might be. But odds are, it's there for a good reason. And that reason is usually one person or one occasion. This is one of my favorites to ask Megan John. Like... Why does it say we can't bring animals larger than a squirrel into the prop closet? That's not a real example. We bring much bigger animals in there all the time. But there are plenty, even in the New York cast handbook, that seem like common sense yet somehow needed to be written down. Like this one. Don't call out of a show, have people find coverage for you, then show up partway through just to dick around. This one seems completely common sense. But you would be amazed how often it fucking happens. And whenever someone does it, they act completely oblivious to how big of a fucking dick they are being. Because if someone calls out of a show, you'd assume that they have a good reason. But then to show up, even if it's just because, you know, your plans changed or whatever else, that's pretty fucked up and frankly disrespectful. And obviously, this is a case-by-case basis thing. And it's a lot of common sense. There's a difference between, oh shit, I forgot my floor show stuff. Can someone go on and I'll be there partway through? Like, that's one thing. It is entirely another thing to call out because you just wanted to stay at a party a while longer and then decide, now that you're nice and sloshed, to head over to the show. If it made it into your casseroles, you bet your ass someone abused it a few too many times. And, like, if a rule doesn't make sense, ask your directors why it's there. I bet you they'll give you a good story, or at least some clarity. Here's another good one, and this will vary from cast to cast. But in general, we all tend to get really comfortable in the theaters that we perform in. But that doesn't mean you should act like you're at home. 
don't treat the entire theater like your dressing room. I cannot count the number of times where someone has like left their phone plugged in just outside in the lobby and then surprise, surprise, it's not there anymore at the end of the show. Yeah, and don't be that guy who throws your costumes all over the place to pick them up later. And then you act surprised when they aren't where you drop them. And on that note, always treat cast property like it's literally your own. That space gun or transducer, it's not owned by some nebulous entity called the cast. It, it might be funny to spin the gun around like a Wild West revolver, but someone has to fix it if you break it. And especially with larger props. Seriously, just get help if you can't handle them. Dragging something down a flight of stairs and not caring that it might get damaged is not something that whoever will just fix. You know these people who will have to fix it and pay for it and who put effort into it. That one, I feel, is super common sense. But way too often, it needs reminding. If you don't know how something works, ask. Don't break a prop or a piece of technical equipment trying to figure it out. And if something does happen to a prop or a costume piece or, or whatever, tell whoever is responsible for getting it fixed. Nothing is worse than showing up to the next show and finding out that the microphones were dropped and no longer work, or, or a light bulb was broken, or the wheelchair lost a wheel when it was being put away. Own your mistakes, and if you aren't responsible, at least make sure someone is aware that something needs to be addressed. But speaking of saying something when things need to be addressed, here's a great note for all of you cast directors out there, and really anyone who's been performing for a long time when they're on stage with someone newer. Don't give notes to performers during a show. If someone messes up the blocking, don't make it awkward. Nothing takes something out of a character more than being told left, not right, or you're in the wrong spot over and over while they're on stage. Like, maybe they already know, and maybe they have a good reason, or maybe they just need a refresher. But during your performance is not the time to have that conversation. Right. If, if you do run into someone you think is off, just adjust yourself to fit what your fellow performers are doing. Remember, this is a group effort to put on a performance. And it's just that. A performance. Just like real theater. The show must go on, and you are not doing anyone a favor if you're whispering notes or motioning to your Frank that they should be on the other side of the stage or whatever. Just adjust yourself and make it work. If you're doing Eddie and your Columbia is on the wrong side, she's not the one who looks stupid if you are intentionally facing away from her just to match the screen. You are the one who looks like you're making a mistake. Exactly. I don't care how many times you've done a role or how inexperienced your fellow castmates are. Give them notes later. Not in the middle of the movie. Not even if you're both off stage and it's about a previous scene. That part of the show is over. If it isn't relevant to what comes next, it can wait. Making them dwell on it doesn't do anyone any good. And if it isn't your responsibility to be giving other cast members notes, like maybe your cast has a system for providing feedback, don't be a dick. Ask if someone wants to hear your notes before giving them your critiques and corrections. We all have bad nights. It may have just been a rough show, and you don't know. And I think that sums it up well. We all make mistakes. We all have done one or more or all of the stuff we've listed out. It's okay. We're all just here to have fun. But hopefully, if you find yourself in one of these many situations we described, maybe you'll remember we mentioned it. 
and check yourself before you end up being the dick on page four of Nikki's Google Doc. And when you encounter a situation where you aren't sure what to do, for the love of Jeebus, show some fucking common sense. And that's our show. If anyone has a question that they'd like us to answer on air for Nikki Asks a Question or some community news that they'd like us to talk about or even a cool story to share with the community, we would love to include it on our show. Just go to our website, rockytalkypodcast.com and fill out our contact form to tell us about it. If you're enjoying Rocky Talkie, please help us out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the show. It makes the podcast more accessible to new listeners, which really helps us grow the show. And if you want even more Rocky Talkie content, check us out on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok, all at Rocky Talkie Podcast. We'll talk to you all next week. Bye. See ya. Bye. On on the side, though, I kind of want to know how much a nacho cheese dispenser is. I'm sure you can find one on eBay. It's the cheese price that gets you. I'm going. You gotta keep buying the cheese. It's like it's like printers. It's not the it's, dispenser. Yeah, it's, it's yeah the exactly. I'm I'm I gonna try. look now. By the way, if there's anybody who's interested in knowing how much a nacho cheese dispenser is, they're usually around one fifty to two fifty. Dollars? Yeah. That's so cheap. Yeah, I, I thought it was gonna be worse than that. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god. They're like a lot. Sex toys cost more than that. Jesus. Yup. Who's to say this isn't a sex toy? You know, if I, if I want some nacho cheese in my nether regions, it becomes one, certainly. Oh, man, this one has a heating element in it. It's only $374, and there's two different pumps. So you can, like, put nacho cheese in one and put spicy nacho cheese in the other one. Pepper Jack. Well, Aaron, you have, like, unlimited money, don't you? Why don't you go ahead? <laughs> I don't know. Meg, do we need a nacho cheese dispenser? No, no, remember, it's got dual pumps. It's got dual pumps, a nacho cheese dispenser with dual pumps. Speaking of pumping, why don't we get on to our next segment, Community News. You're not kidding. A bag of nacho cheese is like $70 for 14 ounces? That is unreal. That is disgusting. 140 ounces. Okay, okay, that's much better. Well, Either no, way, it's still expensive. Like, right? Yeah, yeah. Eh, I, think, I think my dream is going to have to die here. And check yourself before you end up being the dick on page four of Nikki's Google Doc. We brought it back around. You see that, guys? We brought it back around to the dicks. It's all about the dicks. I see that. Neato. That's why I changed all of the curses to dick every time. I love it. So where the fuck is Nikki this week? No. That's not a question for you, sweetie. That's an end of episode clip. Well, there we go. We're done. I was I was going to say I was going to say she was fighting that dude that we said she was traveling with last time. What was his name? The marine person. He like looks in the ocean. James Cameron. She's fighting James Cameron in a battle to the death is what she told me at the very least. I was going to tell him it was Kirk Cameron and that would be even funny. You know what? Not even funny. Candace Cameron, maybe. It's a full house over here. Hey. All right. I'm done. I'm hitting stop. That's so fucking stupid. Candace Cameron, I think, is related to Kirk Cameron, but neither of them are related to James Cameron, right? That's right? Yeah. yeah. So Candace and Kirk are related. Neither of them are related to James Cameron.